Welcome to Open All Ours, the QPR podcast. I'm David Fraser. There is five of us tonight talking about the last two games and weird goings on with this Mark Warburton team. Um, so let me introduce them. So, um, can I, what do I call you? Regular? I mean, you, you're regular. You do every bloody one of these things, Paul. Paul Finney is here. Uh, I would say I'm as regular as someone who lives a life eating a lot of figs. You are the QPR podcast fig eater. That is, I think we can definitely call you that. You are regular. And we also have, I'll stop using that word. We also have Flo Lloyd Hughes. Here. That was just Hello, quite a Flo. horrible thing to have to sit and think about on Zoom. But um, yeah, good to, see you. good to see you. And there's all sorts of people. I actually don't know how people listen to the podcast anymore. Like it used to be on commutes, but obviously now people don't do it. So I don't know whether they listen to it whilst work is on in the background or whilst they're going for a run or whatever. But if there was food involved in your listening experience, I apologise for that Paul Finney introduction. We also... So you should. We also have with us two returnees. We have Rob Gilbert. Hello, Hello. Rob. Hello. Thank you How for are you? Me back. I'm very good, thank you. Very good. We were just saying, this is appearance number three, is it? Yeah, appearance number three. I think over a period of about nine years. Uh, first time I've come on after a win, so so that's nice. Very nice. Uh, Can I also we... point out something about Rob? Little known fact. Go His on. dad used to make the QPR kits. Am I right or wrong, Rob? We, you, you say this every time. He wasn't him physically stitching the kits, but he was Why involved... Not? He was involved with the Cox Sportive back in the day uh, when when they were uh, making the kits. Uh, and we had decent kits then as well, didn't we, Robert? Uh, yeah, yeah. They were, they were some nice kits. They did all right. They did all right. Um, so, yeah. Robert, I, I don't know your exact age, but you look like a man whose teenage years coincided with the Ericsson Le Cox Sportive strip. Would I be Yeah, probably. Right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm uh, how old am I? I'm 35. So, so uh, yeah, maybe a bit probably younger. around that. Yeah, so around that. I mean, go on. Did you have the, the, the luminous yellow one, the white one? Did you have all I of did. them? I had all of them, but they didn't always fit because it was whatever was left in stock. So sometimes it'd be like, oh, yeah, I've got the new, like the Millennium one, where, for some reason, where they celebrate the Millennium on our shirt, but it was like an XL. So it was short sleeve, but came down to my wrists. So, you know, there were pros, pros and cons to, to having Lecoq Le Sportif shirts readily available. Was that a white one? The Millennium one? No, that was the one with the circle on the back where, you, where it looked a bit rubbish without the number. Right, um, yeah. I think I remember. I remember. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, fine. Welcome back, Rob. And I think the last time we saw you, we actually saw you in person. And Yes. Did, touch each other so to speak which in, in, in real life a long long time ago however we're also joined by another returnee martin patterson hello martin hello how you doing okay very very good i have to say in this era of um not being able to groom as people might like to as in 
groom themselves. Hair, beards, let me make that clear very early on. This is and not I going look, well, David. I look a mess, certainly, and I won't comment on anyone else, but you look you look splendid, sir. You've got, <laughs> got you're very, very well shaven, good haircut. Do you live with some, do you live with a hairdresser? Uh, no, luckily, in that respect, I don't have any hair, so I could just shave it off uh, quite easily. <laughs> Twice a week. Paul's got that. Paul's got that problem, and he doesn't stop him. Um, I, I just look like a flippant monk. Yeah. I'm Mark, not allowed Martin. to shave my head because I want to shave my head, but everyone in my house says I look like a potato. <laughs> I, I oh, go for it, Paul. Um, Thank you, well, Martin. I'm gonna, do you know what? I'm going to show some strength and do it. Yes. Yes. Can I welcome, your house Martin, welcome, Martin, Rob, everyone else. Um, thank you all for listening. So the sponsor tonight, I mean, there's so many of the people, there's so many of this Lloyd Hughes mob. The sponsor tonight is Ben Lloyd Hughes. Long-time listener, first-time sponsor. Keep on rocking in Flow We Trust. Flow, it's not a coincidence. This has to be a relative of yours, correct? Yeah, it is one of my... There's. So I've got five brothers, two half brothers who are a bit younger than me. They're in their teens, and um, have had a. I mean, I I tell you, it's it's a sign of the times that one of them had a Joey Barton orange third kit shirt. So I'll say that sums up their generation of fandom. And then the okay. older the older ones are on the kind of in their thirties, and they grew up in the kind of Les era. And then there's two of us in the middle who grew up in kind of the Jamie Curiton era, maybe I'll call it. Um, and Ben is so what? Ben's in the Les Ferdinand era. So he, yeah, he had one of those Millennium shirts you were talking about, Rob. I'm pretty sure he had one of those. Um, one of the classic, classic FM ones. All the good times, basically, they got. So, um, so you, hang on, you got, did I count seven either brothers or half brothers? Five brothers, two a half, three are okay. 100%. So five, okay. Which one's, <laughs> who's your favourite one? Oh, that's a bit harsh. Um, yeah. But I would I probably say Theo in America, but they're all going to be listening and they'll probably would have thought that anyway. So that's I didn't fine. expect you to answer. <laughs> I know I was just they'll putting know you on that. the spot. They'll know that though, so it's fine. They'll know that. Um, thank you, Ben. <laughs> thank you, Ben, for the sponsorship. And the beers, of which some of us have beers and some don't, is from Paul Bland. Thank you very much to everybody, as usual, for the support for the podcast. Always appreciated. Helps us keep the shell on the road. If anyone wants to support us, you can go to the website at qprpod.co.uk. Right. Talk for far too long without actually talking about football. So we are less than 24 hours after one of the weirdest games of the season. One of the strangest experiences as a QPR fan. This was Millwall. 2-0 down at half time keep those players on the pitch then they sort of turn it around and yes there are some substitutions but 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 we then end up winning this game that we showed no prospect of doing uh, of winning before um or certainly at half time so who wants to start Flo were you there no I wasn't there actually they would um Phil Parry was there doing commentary and I could hear him on the highlights actually because I watch the game on our stream but then I was having another look at the highlights today just because you know you want to relive that madness and I could yeah. hear him for the second goal like I think yeah the Johansson goal and then you could hear him across the whole stadium so obviously there's not many people there and they're not doing the crowd noise anymore so you really can so yeah BBC London doing the commentary last night um and yeah it was a weird game a very weird game and I think most people had written us off 
um, understandably, I think we all had at half time based on that performance. And I know obviously a few people put some kind of joke bet on bets on to to see if we could bring it back, um, which was pretty amazing. Those ones that you do where you know there's no hope, but you think it just might be quite fun. Um, and they did it. And it's weird because I have watched uh, Millwall quite a lot in this in the second half of the season. I've been covering them quite a lot and I'm covering them again on Saturday. And like Clive said, and many others on Twitter, they are quite different to the Neil Harris side that were more, I guess, stereotypical of the physical Millwall. They are still physical, but they press you a little bit more. They play it on the floor a bit more and they just try and turn over the ball in good areas in order to attack and that's exactly what happened with the first goal their second goal was a bit more kind of like standard Millwall set piece but I think there was a bit of an under underestimate uh, underestimation if that's a word or uh, underestimate yeah Warbs underestimated Millwall I guess is the easiest way to say it and I was I was really surprised to see us go nil down that early on but even more surprised to then see us turn it around and that Charlie Austin header was ridiculous. Um, yeah. The the distance of which he headed that ball out, I mean, it's that is just like so hard to do. Um, I thought it was Lyndon Dykes's best game, to to be honest, uh, in a QPR shirt, and I feel sorry for him that he didn't get a goal. And I was also a little bit worried about his reaction at full time compared to everyone else because he did seem. I know it's it's obviously hard because. It's single camera, so we don't get a great idea of what's going on at full time. But he did seem the only player that wasn't overly ecstatic about it. Like everyone else was celebrating like crazy and high-fiving and hugging. But he was the only one who seemed kind of not as excited. And I, I imagine he is frustrated and it's just so visible how low he is on confidence. So I'd like to see him get a goal soon. But yeah, what what a weird one. I, I yeah, don't really know how we did it, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, Rob, how did you find it? Yeah, I mean, it was just, I mean, everything that Flo said, absolutely true. You're sort of waiting for this raft of changes at half time and, and they never came. Uh, and they, out of, I mean, Cameron put that ball in for Austin. I mean, it was an unbelievable header. I mean, how he's guided that in, I don't know. And suddenly you're looking at the clock, it was only 50 odd minutes. And I think I went right back in this. But I think <clears throat> the big change was that. There were, there were a few things. First of all, Dykes, was, he was brilliant. He completely, he, I thought he led the whole fight back. Um, and I hope, I know Warburton's mentioned about how he's been a bit down on seeing some criticism on social media, but today it's just sort of positive, positive, positive towards him. And I hope he's got to see it um, because sort of the fans have said, yeah, this is great. And I just thought he, he, he really led the fight back from the front. That, and also... Lee Wallace down the left, what a turnaround. I mean, that, that first half, he was, he was trying and the Romeo was really giving him a torrid time. And you're sort of thinking this, this could be one game too far, which I thought it was for Todd Kane over on the right. You could sort of see physically, he, he, he was gone. He needs a rest. He, he, I think he's played every minute almost in the last few weeks. But Lee Wallace sort of dug in and he found these extra reserves, stopped Romeo getting forward, and he just provided this, this overlapping outlet. And, and uh, yeah, it was just, every time we play Millwall at home, it seems to be a bonkers game. I mean, we've come yeah, back from yeah. two, we came back from 2-0 down a few years ago against them. 
last season, I was 4-2 or 4-3. I mean, you wouldn't sort of have mid-table QPR and mid-table Millwall as this guarantee of, of goals. But it was, you know what? It, sometimes I find in football there's something in the air, like comebacks yeah. are sort of in fashion. And Charlton had done it the night before. Connor Washington, they were 2-0 down and they won 3-2. And Derby had come back against Brentford. And it, I just sort of thought, you know, well, maybe it isn't over. And I'm, I'm certainly not the most positive. I thought, well, you know, they've come back last night and maybe it is on. And, and it, it ended up being right. But it was fantastic to watch. I felt like that as well at halftime. I wonder how often I feel like that at halftime and it doesn't end up going our way because I ne- you never sort of like a bad gambler you never remember those ones. yeah I, 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 do you know what I, I think actually when I thought mm, this isn't going to happen was when Millwall I mean Millwall missed two guilt-ed chances I think we're a bit lucky that they fell to Hutchinson the centre-back because you should have put those away if it was the other way around Warburton would have done these uh you've got to take chances and that was mm. uh that was sort of saying, because at 3-1, that game's, I think that game's over. But they didn't take the chance. And when those were, I thought, well, they're not going to do it. But they did. Um, yeah, just... I, I also think, so I also think, I guess the signs were always there as well. Like those, we had those chances in the first half early on where we realistically could have been 2-0 up, even before mm. Mill will get their goals. The Dykes long throw tactic it's creative and I'm here for it. And Dickie is a massive threat in the box. So I think that's a good one going forward. So I suppose there were always elements of it there, but you just felt like once they'd gone to and up, it was going to be such an uphill battle. Um, just before I go to Martin, Rob, when you said Connor Washington, I just thought there's definitely notes of Connor Washington about you. Have you ever really? been told this before? No, what, yeah. what I will do is I, I will find... There is a photo I'll find and I'll, I'll put it in here. Maybe you'll, you'll tweet it out. Jack Robinson, when he did a kit launch yes. a few years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah you do definitely like Jack Robinson. Yeah, I see that. So I'm also going to screen grab this because <laughs> because um, we're talking about kits and I took, took some kits down from the loft and they're literally here. <laughs> and I found the... the there it is. We'll see that one. There it there, is. Which doesn't come across on a podcast, but I will... I will uh, take a screen grab or a picture or something like that, whilst Martin gives us his thoughts on the game. Yeah, um, just echoing what everyone else said, really. I thought, I didn't think we had a chance, to be honest. Half-time, I thought, change everybody, change as many as you can, three subs, uh, and, and then see how we push on. But, yeah, Dykes was a catalyst to it. I also thought Johansson was excellent second half last night. Incredible. Once he gets on the ball, it makes us tick. He's He reminds me of, of Forlan... A Wilkins sort of thing. He, he, I really do like him a lot. And, and as much as uh, Austin's helped us, I think he he's been um, really important. Really important. Exactly. I like the way he plays. I like watching him. He, some of the, the the balls he plays through, really good, really cute balls around the corner and stuff. They're, it's it's we've been crying out for that for a long time, um, and it makes it makes a real difference. I think. Is he is he too good this level? <laughs> um, he he couldn't get in, did he get in, was he in the Fulham side towards at the end of last season was he getting in that side he went to West Brom last yeah. season on loan and it never really worked for him and from people I didn't really watch him at West Brom from people I spoke to who did they said he looked really leggy and off the pace and he just never kind of connected with the side or found rhythm and then he just didn't get picked so 
and it, he always felt like he also once Fulham got promoted he wasn't good enough to be in that side so I don't know if basically QPR is his level and he's found his level and this is right. not perfect but I think it's good for him to be in a side like ours where he can dominate the pitch yeah. whereas if you're in a West Brom or a Fulham where they are now there's other players that might fill that role obviously West Brom aren't in a great situation at the moment but they had players like that last season whereas we don't have someone like that so we were crying out for someone to just take control of the game bully people foul people when you need to be good in possession be strong on the ball turn in very difficult situations because we have no one like that I mean Tom Carroll could do that but he struggled with his fitness so yeah mm. just he's been sensational yeah I didn't have him down as a goal scorer either but he, he gets yeah. in the box uh, and under, you know he scored two and he's he's missed that one up at Birmingham so he He's got that in his locker as well. He knows when to arrive in the box. He's he's really good. I'd be shocked if he was here next season. Really good. Um, Paul, I, I don't yeah. know whether you're on some sort of sponsored silence or not, because I don't remember <laughs> such a, an extended period of you not talking. But um, let me ask you, what is this QPR team now? Because they're sort of blowing hot and cold... Don't quite know. You think we're going on a run, then you get Huddersfield, and let's start bringing that game in and talking about it. What um, what what are we at the moment? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's nice to hear everyone being positive, and you know, we spent a lot of this podcast this season trying to be chirpy and non-negative when it was all going to the wall, and it's nice to hear comebacks. I'd rather talk about a comeback than getting twatted. That's for sure. I think we're just finding a fate. We're finding um, we didn't have a good summer in the transfer market at all. And if we hadn't have brought Austin back, we would probably be in the bottom four or five now and fighting relegation. And I think the Austin effect has also brought in other players as transit, like Barbet's hitting the odd goal now. Dickie's hitting the odd goal. Um, you've got the big Dutch lad coming in and it looks like he's got a goal threat in him as well. There's, you can see goals from Johansson and everything else. His field has got a strike on him. You can see people are not afraid to have a go. Now, the encouragement that the, the other players... The January transfer window has probably been one of our best in the last seven or eight years, for, without a shadow of a doubt. I like all the players... It's an impact, yeah. It has. And Johansson, you know, sometimes, you know, like Lee Cook, Teams just work for that player. Do you know what I mean? They come into a team like QPR and it clicks. And it's a weird one because they can look really rough everywhere else. And I, I think Jordy's one of them players, you know, when you read at Hull that they were slagging him saying this, that he's come in and he looks class. He's he's he, he's he, he's he's he, unbelievably a mountain with legs, is what he is, to be perfectly honest with you. And there's no one going to stop him if he's going in the far post or the middle of the net for a, a, a header. And he's got it in him, and I, I like it. And it's it's different. And the long throw, as Flo said from Dykes, let's try these things because let's face it, we're not going to make the playoffs. I know I joke about it, but we're probably not. But we're building for next season. If we can keep Johansson, Field, Austin, and then you kind of swap in Kane with Albert around a wee bit because Albert's not going to do 90 minutes and Kane. It's not a bad B side that. And Wallace, I don't know what's happened to him. Maybe he, he, it just took a wee while to settle in from Scotland. I mean, you know, it's a Celtic thing. It took me 20 years to get to the bar. You know, so at the end of the day, it's it's good to see that the players are turning it around. But I do think it's because they're being led from the front, which is what we've lacked for so long. And Johansson, you've got three You've got three captains. You've got Jordi, you've got Charlie, and you've got Johansson. That's three captains. We didn't have one before. 
that was the problem. So I'm I'm putting it down to good leadership, good comradeship. Because I, and, and I get what Flo said, by the way, about Dykes, but I think he was on his arse last night. And I think he was knackered. And, and uh, good point, Flo, about the disappointment. But at least he's not hiding. Do you know what I mean? He's not... I yeah, hope it. Well, I mean, he worked. He worked so hard. He was oh, everywhere, he? and he played didn't a massive he? part in Johansson's goal as well. If he hadn't played that pass in, I think it was to Wallace, who then plays the ball across, then we wouldn't have had that goal. So I hope it was a, a sign of him being knackered. It just would have been so great to see him cap off that performance with a goal, and but, how that might change the rest of the season and change potentially his career at QPR, which is what I'm most worried about because I just don't want him to become one of those like Connor Washington tales um, of, a, yeah, of a player. But... Because I think there are signs that he's better than that. And we've seen it for Scotland. We've seen it in pockets for us. So it's like, just need to get that. And I think he plays very well with um, with Austin, which I think is a positive. So it's how can we get the most out of them when they're going to be playing together? But going back to Huddersfield, David, can I just say one thing? They hadn't won away since Napoleon thought Russia was a bad idea to invade. And we all knew it was going to happen. It's QPR for Christ's sake. I mean, beat Man United 4 1 at Old Trafford, get knocked out of the FA Cup by Southampton, who were crap at the time. So that's what we do. But you know what? Nice we're still 29 year old reference, Paul. It's just thank you. Perfect. But you know, that's yeah. what we do. That's what that's cute. I've been Christ, I've done it all my life. You know, they take you up to the top of the hill and they put you down the other side. So yeah, Huddersfield, they hadn't won. It was always in the cards. But we're going to have that. This, the championship this season is mental. There's so many strange results. And, you know, who'd have thought, even with the points deduction at Sheffield Wednesday, would probably get relegated and they've been awful and deserve it. Mm. But I'm, listen, I'm pleased. I hope that um, it comes good for the, the big man up front because he did put his arm. But what, what, a, what a transfer window in January. And, you know, Austin's been amazing. And hopefully we can put a deal together for him and Johansson because I think they are vital for anything this club wants to do for next season. I want to know where this bar is that apparently you found your way to after 20 years because I certainly have never seen it and I've been in a pub with you many a time. Can I just check on This the... is not true. This is not true because the, the, I definitely brought you an orange juice once when you weren't drinking. I was spewing up there. Orange juice, 75 <laughs> pence. He's having that. That doesn't... An orange juice doesn't sound like me. Anyway, I want to check on the Paul Finney promotion playoff ometer and where you are on it this week. I'm kind of, I'm if 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 it was based on QPR players, I would say I'm a little bit. Uh, it's it's a bit John Byrne, you know. It's it's it, it could, and but sometimes it might not be, and we've just got to see what happens in the day. Okay, so you're not writing it off yet, and do you now accept? I don't think not, we should. Do you accept we're not getting relegated now? Oh God, I I think to be honest, with you, I think I accept that with Sheffield Wednesday and and, and Wickham decided to throw themselves in the League One. Um, yeah. But I tell you what, if we hadn't brought, as I said, I don't know what you guys think, but if we hadn't brought them players in in January, I would be absolutely bricking it. I'm telling you now, that that it's just amazing how so these players have just turned it around. I mean, who would have thought that Barbe had the sort of shots he had and 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 Dickie's going forward? It's just great to see other goals coming into the side. Do you think Austin scored more than Bond and? Dates combined, you know, and that that's really? that's that's a big thing. Are but he? I think so. Yeah, he scored. No, he scored definitely, five. Def, definitely from open play. He has definitely. Yeah, from yeah. Open Sorry, play, from open play. I mean, Dakes, but you know what? Maybe it'll so, happen. So, so, Maybe it'll happen. 
Well, I was going to ask about Dykes and, and I was going to ask Martin what he thinks because I I agree with you all that he had a really good game last night. But, but a striker without goals doesn't... You, you can't go on like that, can you? So is it, it... Do we just keep going? And you can see in his face, you can see it's... Like you said at the end of the game, Flo, it's kind of dominating everything for him. And even when Charlie Austin came on here probably six weeks ago now and he said it was it was kind of getting to Lyndon Dykes then and Macaulay Bond at the same time do we is, is it a case of keep keep with him stick with him and it'll it will happen yeah I, I think I think so um it's strikers everybody says everybody sort of knows it it's a confidence thing isn't it and I think that last night will help him building it uh, I I think he's definitely worth going with his form for Scotland was, was has been excellent he, last night was how he sort of plays for Scotland it was that, mm. that sort of um, uh, that role he well, obviously he's got Austin alongside him thing I didn't have noticed I don't know if anybody else has sort of seen it is Austin seems to be playing a hell of a lot deeper now mm. definitely yeah I don't know I, I think with the Dykes question I think perhaps playing him like he did yesterday is a, a good way to go about things. Like giving him a new role that doesn't necessarily put so much pressure on him to be the finisher. And we've got the luxury of having Charlie Austin as that man. I think with the, I think the benefit of playing Austin deeper is his endurance obviously isn't quite at the level of Dykes. And I think playing him deeper means you save him. And I think he's played, I mean, I haven't looked at it, but I'm pretty sure he's played much more in terms of length of the game in the last few matches than he has when he first came back. Like first came back, he was being lasting until what, like 60, 65. Now he's going much, much more beyond that. And I think playing him deeper has kind of helped keep him on the pitch longer because we're getting to these games like last night where we need a match winner and we can't necessarily be afford to be taking him off in the 60th minute every game. So I think playing him deeper has helped build a bit of a link-up play and he's also working harder as well and chasing more of the ball but I think the work rate the work rate from Dykes has certainly gone up and perhaps playing him in a bit more of a provider role rather than a finisher role and then perhaps still getting involved in penalties is the way to go about things and he'll get his confidence back that way and then you know he was so close to a chance uh, the, the chance that Austin had in the second half that was saved and Dykes was just, you know, inches away from sliding that in, which kind of feels like his season has always been sort of inches away. But there has been growth, I think. Mm. You know what? That's a good spot about Charlie Austin players, deep. But I think as well, he also sees the game, he, his positioning sense and knowledge, of, um, and, and, and it's kind of, he's letting others do the work and then he's coming in. But I, yeah, he's he's been different class, and it's yeah. It, but yeah, he's definitely reminds me. I keep saying this. He reminds me when Gallon came back the second yeah. time. His whole mm. persona changed around the pitch, which is good because it means he's going to be remembered for a different type of player than he was the first time as well. I think it's a good point on uh, Austin and his game time. I actually, funnily enough, I looked at his stats earlier, and you, I couldn't work it out exactly. But he's he's played fourteen games. But in terms of minutes on the pitch, he's played the equivalent of 11. So basically, he, he plays somewhere around 70, 75% of the game, 70, 75 minutes on average. He, 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 you're right in that we kind of need a, 
Um, we need to mitigate against that. And hopefully as the season goes on and they've got a break coming up, haven't they? A 10-day break, which, God, like they most definitely need. Hopefully that will help with it. But he, he, My worry is there needs to be a bit of a hand with the sharing the load. And it's coming, but it's coming from other areas on the pitch, isn't it? And how sustainable that is. And what um, I notice they, they tend to do with us, and actually, if we're losing, he stays on. But if we're winning or, or drawing, I think they often take him off. Think of Birmingham, he finished the game for 89, 90 minutes. Uh, but then it tends to be if we're winning or not. And, and Warburton's managed that squad fitness-wise fantastically. Even last night, you know, he, he dropped chair. And Will, I, I, I thought Willett was brilliant. I think that he's, he started the season as this like, flaky winger. Now, I mean, that second goal, he's putting his body right in there, getting in and just sort of, the first half was awful, but he was the one that was getting on the ball showing for it and, and, and driving at Millwall. And, you know, he had his, he had his 60 minutes. Performance-wise, he didn't deserve to come off. But, no, he's had his 60, 65 minutes. You're off, chairs on. And what that means is, is you know, you go to the Reading game on Saturday and he's fresh. He's not, he's not got that half an hour in his legs. And sometimes, and I, I do wonder if that, to bring right back to that first question about, half time and no changes I wonder if it was a case of you know what it, looking at the big picture of the whole season we're not going to make changes at half time because I'm going to have to ask someone to play a half I don't want to play a half and I may need them further down the line and and that served us really really well especially the second half of the season so, I also yeah. think I think it's hard as well with with looking at our bench um, because the real gaps last night were were in midfield where we were just getting beaten all the time on the ball, getting pushed off the ball and, um, you know, struggling to put a pass together. And I actually think when you look at the bench, there's not necessarily a player apart from perhaps Sam Phil. I think Dob Ball has struggled the last couple of weeks. He would bring on and say, oh, that's going to shore up the midfield quickly. So... I guess it was a stick or twit, twist situation and it, it kind of worked in Warburton's favour. But I think with Macaulay Vaughan as well, I don't think he was ever brought in as going to be a main striker because that's why Dykes was here. So in his role as a, you know, he as a super sub in some ways, I mean, he's got some important goals for us this season. That one against Wednesday especially was huge um, and he has come up in, in big positions. He's also missed some big chances too. So... I think it's hard when that's your role, when your definitive role for the season is not going to be the main man. It's like, how do you find your place? I think what's going to have to happen, sorry, David, I think what's going to happen, Flo, is that it's, we just use the rest of the season to get both him and Dyke's confidence up and then we can see where we go from there for next season because they're still young enough to turn it around and if, you know, Les took a while to turn it around. Other people can't. And I'd rather keep hold of players that are here for a while because if we try and sell them now we're not going to get anything back what we paid so it's, it's in our interest that they come good and I just hope they do um, do you know what, I'm, I'm not one for writing players off, I mean Todd Keane's shut me right up this season, I thought he was dreadful he's he's turned it right around and um, you know, I think Ball I, I, I actually quite like what Ball did last night because he came on for the sole purpose of just kicking Millwall players and getting booked and breaking them up and we needed that we haven't had that in a while but same series by Senny last night were amazing, by the way. If, if he had the mm. bid, then we would be dead and buried. So, yet again, if we hang on to him for next season, I will be flipping 
flipping amazed because he is absolute quality. By the way, have you you seen who? I mean, this is nothing to do with anything really, but have you seen who Livingston replaced Lyndon Dykes with? Go on. Do you know the answer to this? No. He's got five goals for them. He's got yeah. as many goals for them as Lyndon Dykes has currently in this season, this campaign. Is Manuel Thomas, isn't it? J. Emmanuel Thomas. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did see that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway. Well, maybe he's um, changed his personality. Life has a funny way of coming full circle, doesn't it? Yeah, something like that. Right, before ours end, I want to ask if we are not going down and probably not going up, which I, I, I think, so yes, we could still go up, but I suspect this that will all be kind of settled in the next two weeks because if we drop points in the next two or three games it's probably going to be too much of an ask so if we're not doing either what do we want for the rest of the season not just don't don't give me a we want to improve we want to pick up points who do you want to see more of who should we be giving (coughs) to how should we be playing and what should we be doing to give us the best chance for next year i can i'll be quite quick I want to finish, see us finish in the top half, and I want to fin- us to finish the season well after that dreadful campaign um, during Project Restart, which was you know, an, an embarrassment at times and a few good games uh, towards the very end. But I, I would love to see us finish in the top half and to then push on. I, I don't want to um, qualify for the playoffs, and I certainly don't want to go down. So, yeah, top half finish would be amazing. Martin? <laughs> Um, yeah, top 10. Top 10 would be good. Um, get more points than last season. And if I, I don't want us to get in the playoffs. I really don't. I, at the moment, I mean, it sounds weird, but I didn't mind. I don't mind us losing at the moment as much as I was. It's, it's, it sounds weird, I know, but my, my point is basically that we're not going on six game losing runs like we had been or six games without a win. We're bouncing back pretty quickly and it's, it's good for us. And you learn more when you lose, and um, and they're bouncing. Why back don't you want us to get in the playoffs? It is a remote possibility, but why don't you want it? Because I don't think we're ready, and it. Yeah, I, don't I, com- I completely <laughs> agree with Martin. What I just—it just feels like a terrible idea. Imagine if it feels terrible. Of course, terrible it's a it... terrible idea, but it's football. Come <laughs> Imagine on. if we went up though, and and we'd have a summer frantically because we're QPR, and it will happen. Um, we'll buy players that aren't good enough and we'll panic and we'll go up but it'd be good because like Paul was saying we want Bon and Dykes to work because otherwise they're going to be expensive flops again that, uh, um, and if they you know they, they need another season in the championship and, and, and they can come good I think I'd be happy with the strike force we got next season Austin and those two I think that'd be okay I think they, they'd learn from Austin and I think they already have um, but yeah you know what I'm happy to do I'm happy to qualify for the playoffs, not go up, and if we get Brentford in the playoffs, absolutely mull the players so they go to Wembley with two fit players. But I'll take that all day long because we need the money to build for next season and it'll be something to look forward to. But the Premiership, if we did fluke it, I'd give our place to somebody else. We don't deserve the Premiership. The Premiership doesn't deserve us. It just makes us buy stupid things. Rob, I think you were going to talk and got interrupted Maybe four yeah. times. So, oh, sorry, Rob. Sorry, mate. It's all right, Paul. Um, I think, do you know what? I think the, uh, uh, the last two summers have been a bit mental. 
there's been so much upheaval and it would be nice if it's sort of like, well, we play 3-5-2. This is how we're going to play next season. I think most of the players are going to be there next season. Assume even if two, three of the loanees stay as opposed to all of them. That Mo, Dieng, I don't think he'll go. I don't think Dickie will go. So if it's sort of, I'd like to see some forward planning. I'd like for one game later in the season for the, the two behind Austin to be, I'd like to see George Thomas. don't know what he does. I think he's an attacking midfielder. Can he play wing back? I'd just like to see some building blocks put in place for next season so that when when the sun, you know, when we get to August, it's not, we know the back three, Dickie, Device and Barbe, well, they've all played together last season. Chair and Willock know how to play off of Austin and it's just a seamless transition into uh, into next season. Uh, that's, mm. yeah, that, that's what I'd like to Very see. Very similar to what, yeah, I, I was going to sort of back that up, really. I think now is the time, it's almost the off the pitch bits in some way. Yeah. Like, can we, why should we wait now for Austin to try and time down for next season? Can we? Yeah, I, I, think, I think with Austin as well, I, I sort of see the only way that we'll keep him is to, maybe not the best comparison with things he said, but how Troy Deeney is, the, Watford is Troy Deeney's club. I think you sort of need to sell that to Austin. Come to, you know, play for QPR, be the club captain. He's got his podcast that he does, I think, and he does his racing and he's on talk sport and you can do all that but you're our club captain and, you know, if you want to do that, we can only pay you this, but no one else is going to love you like us. And I think we need to throw everything at him. And I, I, and I'm, I wasn't, it was amazing when he came back. I didn't think it would work as well. as Now I would make him club captain for next season mm. and just say, you've got two years, lead this project, be the club captain for two years. I agree. I agree. And I, and, and, uh, yeah, I agree. I think we let's keep it all together for next season. If we have a yeah. season of not upheaval, there's something, you know, you talk about something in the air, there's something in the air that next season could be chairs season. Not that he's having a terrible time because he's scored, he's our top scorer. And I think we had the discussion a few weeks ago. He sets up a lot more opportunities than the stats give him credit for. And the stats don't do the chance before the chance, the assist before the assist. And I think if they did, they would probably recognise him a lot more than they do. There's something in the air that he could have a sort of as a type season next year. And if we can keep make that happen, and Austin and the back three, as you say, and maybe the goalie. Yeah. I think there's no there's nothing wrong with keeping this board for next season if we have it within the budget. And I think Robert's right. I think you can sell QPR to Charlie because it works. You know, he's, he's been away for a few years. He's played Premiership football. QPR is ideal for him. He can crack on with everything else. And he can be a good hero. Why not? It suits everyone. And if we can keep this... I could know. But the thing is, David, it's just like, like we're talking about the players that suit clubs. And I think he gets it. We get him. It's fine. And if we can be within the budgets, I wouldn't mind keeping it the way it is. But, but shall I be the realist and say that... No, because it ruins can, things. If, if we can pay him a million and a half a year and someone comes along and says they can pay him two and a half million pounds a year, are you turn, like? Are, are you really staying? I, I, no, yeah. the, only, the, the only thing I will say, last week on the podcast, Rob Dickey alluded to the fact that he has made a hell of a lot of money. He's, he, he points yeah, he out that he's made a lot of money. From, uh, from I think I think locating is, 
Location is a big pool, I think. I mean, when you look at the number of London clubs where Austin could realistically go, like you said, Rob, like mm. Watford already have their Austin. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of Premier League clubs from London, and they don't they don't need Austin. Probably wouldn't be looking to get him. Uh, that you know, with the clubs in the Championship, and then you'd only be looking to League One. So realistically. This move works for him because he's got all these media opportunities. Yeah. That is a massive priority for him, yeah. and it's part, you know, big part of the reason he's down south again. That you know, this it, it is it is a perfect match really for him to be able to do this. And I think the club have also been, you know, pretty generous by saying to him, you know, go and do whatever you want. You know, you can go on the radio and do that kind of stuff. And he he he's he's killing it on that front. So I think that will be a big pull, and I just hope that. Money-wise, you know, if he's made it, then hopefully they can they can meet in the middle somewhere because yeah, I don't I, I think the club are being very strict now with pay, so I don't think they'd even dream of meeting on what he is on now. Really, I just think mm. they he will be a free transfer though, won't he? Yeah, I think he will be. So they could pay him a transfer. Fee. Well, and look, let, and, let, and let, sorry, go on, Paul. And also, he's got the best florist in London as well. I was waiting for that. Um, <laughs> let's what? hope. If we um, if we finish up this uh, part of the discussion, let's hope in the wor- in the style of Charlie Austin that he ends up saying, "Would I like to stay at QPR?" Yeah, sure, I would. <laughs> That's quite good, that. Thank you. Um, good. He's he's the best asking a question and then answering it himself, merchant I've ever seen, and I love it. And as you say, he was Flo, he was very good it. as well, actually. I would, um... Talksport did a, a documentary about dementia in football, and Charlie was one of the guests on that. And it's a really good listen. I would really recommend people listen to that. And he talks really honestly about how worried he is about it and his experience of playing football. Mm. And, um, Gary Lineker on it. Um, it's a it's a good listen. I think it's only an hour, so yeah, do check it mm. out. That was brilliant, Flo. Good 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 show. Um, ours end, which is the last bit of the podcast. Anything. <laughs> Anything that we haven't mentioned yet, whilst you think I'll say mine, uh, which is Warburton made some comments this week, which managers do around sort of, uh, what do you call it, dampening down any sort of major ambitions or overexcitement about next season. And he basically said, don't expect us to be challenging for the playoffs, don't expect us to be challenging for promotion. I think he said his argument was that it sort of comes down to budgets, and we're in the bottom quarter, and like like the the, the bottom twenty five percent in the championship as far as budgets go, and there will be teams coming down that are very strong. So basically, don't expect too much next season. And I found it a bit disappointing. I I understand there's a balance to be had. And you don't want to be kind of promising the moon on a stick to the fans. But at the same time, come on, like, that, that's what coach, you, you coach, like, let's give it a go. Let's at least show some ambition. We don't, his pragmatism, which I've said before, frustrates me. It comes out the whole time. It comes out in the selections, in the substitutions, in the game management of taking the players off. And I would just say a bit less pragmatism all the time, Mark, and a little bit more push the boat out ambition. You want I guess him to it, let loose, don't you? You want to. I don't want him let to his be hair down. A city trader about it. <laughs> <laughs> I want him to be a bit less of a city trader sometimes, and a bit more of a 
whatever dreamer sometimes estate mm. agent yeah estate <laughs> agent yeah yeah a wide boy estate agent yeah let let's tone down the prag take the pragmatism down to eight from ten please um, I've got my R's end, which I suppose the, the talk sport dementia documentary is, is a good one. So that's sort of, I've got two R ends, R's ends in the style of uh, Finney. But my second R, R's end, I think it's good um, to see us second in a table. Um, and that is in the Race Europe table, uh, with which the Keep Your Own the Community Trust team are second behind West Ham for the amount of distance they've covered, led by James D, who I don't even know James's full name, but he's very active in the Keeping Our Community Trust. He does loads of photography and I've never seen a man be able to run so much. I'm very envious. But James Doe. Doe, there you go. Um, he is great at motivating other people to get active as well because I've you know, had back and forth on Twitter and loads when he's basically running a marathon and I'm struggling to get out of bed for 5K. So yeah, they are second behind West Ham. They're above Crystal Palace, Spurs, Leighton Orient, Millwall, all the other, they're well above um, Chelsea, you'll be happy to hear. Um, Finney. So yeah, good on the, those guys for covering all those miles and raising money for the QPR Community Trust. Brilliant. Rob. I'll go. Yeah, so I'm, I've got a charity plug, if that's alright. But it is QPR related. The founders all QPR. Um, the charity is Grief Encounter, and on Sunday they're doing something called the Forget Me Not Walk. Now, I'm sure everyone can work out. Obviously the last year's been really hard for charities to raise money because you can't do these big events anymore. So what they're doing is on Sunday, the 21st of March, they're asking everyone to walk in memory of a loved one and raise funds uh, for bereaved children and young people and their families across the UK. And that's what Grief Encounter does. They uh, support grieving children and bereaved children and, and young people in the UK. So this year, especially they've, their works really really important so if you just go on google type in grief encounter and forget me not walk all the information will come up basically go out for a walk with your household with your bubble take your dog as well and you want to try and involve the number 26 because 26 pounds pretty much pays for a consultation with one of their therapists um with a bereaved child so if there's 10 of you do 2.6 miles because that's 26 miles uh and i think by the time this goes out registration will have finished because it's 26 pounds to register so you can set up a just giving page as well try and raise 26 pounds and if you want to raise even more than that then that would be fantastic because the more money you raise it's all going to the charity does amazing work i know they were heavily involved with grenfell after that tragedy so yeah, it's Sunday, put on your walking boots and go out for a forget-me-not walk uh, to try and raise some money for a really good cause. I'm in. Thank you, Paul. Very good. Very good. Uh, thank you for that. And Martin? Uh, yeah, mine, uh, um, it's probably mentioned before quite a lot probably, but I think it's worth repeating. It's um, just how we are on social media towards players. Um, I've been guilty of it. Um, I think Bon um got a lot of stick um uh before christmas and stuff how it is how he was playing and stuff and, and you know it goes to any player doesn't it but bond was getting stick and you know it's it's easy for me to sit there and be disappointed with him and like a bad comment on him without knowing what's going on in his life you know and he, he 
did what he did. He scored against Luton, wasn't it? He came on and scored and he took his shirt off and sort of revealed he's grieving over his sister. And I think we all need to sort of be a bit more nicer, I think. Um, mm. They're human, aren't they, really? Um, and I don't think we realise that they've got issues and stuff as well. So I think, um, yeah. yeah, just to be... Have, have a little think before you... you you, you criticize and, and I mean, Chris, you, you can criticize. That's the game, isn't it? Everybody criticizes. You watch Match of the Day or Sky or whatever. And, is it the boundaries, Martin? Is that what we yeah. say? The boundaries yeah, yeah. of criticism. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, don't, don't act the players in as well. I mean, that just seems yeah. that just yeah. seems nasty. Like, fire off a tweet if you're annoyed. Like, Bond should have scored that, but to act him in is like, I, I just. It's low, yeah. That's, yeah, that's low. That's, that's it. That's low. This is a conversation that we've had many times on the mm. podcast, mm. not just about players, but about uh, lots of other people, not least some podcasters as well. I agree with you. The one thing I would add to that is there needs to be a bit of community policing around it. So if somebody is slagging off community, uh, commun- somebody is slagging off Macaulay Bomb on Twitter, we need other fans to say to them. That's out of order. Delete that. Don't do that. Don't allow that. Mm -hmm. I think the thing thing is, sorry, um, sorry, sorry, Flo, I've got to mention you. I do apologise. You know, I don't agree with Flo sometimes. I don't agree with David. I don't even agree with me, you know. But and it's nice to be told that we're crap. I don't care. Or we're talking shite. Ah, feck it. Have it all day. But to email family members, I got emailed to sack myself. It's the most ridiculous email I've ever had in my life. Um, Liz showed it to me because oh, someone wants you sacked. All right. Well, for these hours and this pay, no one's going to do it, so I'll have to stay. Um, it goes way too personal. And solidarity to Flo, who's took a lot of shite. And I'm so sorry, Flo, because you don't deserve it. You're entitled to your opinion. You said something. We're all been wrong. Hold your hands up if you've never been wrong. You know what I mean? Just be real about it. Call me a twat. Call me whatever you want. I don't mind. But the hound people isn't cool. Not good. And I've had my phone number put on Twitter. I've had emails. I've had voicemails. I don't care. I'm thick-skinned. I'm not bothered. But some people might not be as easygoing as it, as I am. So just, be, just, just don't be a bastard. Be critical, but don't be an arsehole. Do you think Does that you're make sense? Going? Do you huh? think you're going? What? Do you think you're easygoing? Is that that's what I just got? From the <laughs> Not to the slightest, but I got caught up in the moment. <laughs> um, was that your? I know the answer to this. Was that your no, R's end? My R's end, right? I'm starting now. First of all, the report that came out with the FA yesterday and child abuse. Why no one in the FA has not resigned over this, and it's disgusting, and I'm appalled, and um. It, it's heartbreaking to hear the stories of the kids that got abused by the by Brennans and that in this world. It's horrible, horrible, horrible. And the FA and the Football League and everyone, hold your frigging head in shame. This is on your watch. Shouldn't have happened. Those kids were ignored for way too long. And you don't get away with stuff in small clubs where people know them. Sorry, but you don't. And um, hopefully people can learn from this. And let's protect our kids at every sporting angle, be it gymnasts, be it footballers, be it everything. Keep them safe. They're precious. My other um, point was quite self-indulgent on Charlie Austin again. Um, my nephew, well, my ex-brother-in-law died last week. Um, and 
yeah, it, it was it was it was horrible for my nephew. Um, but Charlie Austin, someone reached out to Charlie Austin and he sent him a message, nothing to do with me or anyone in this podcast or anyone. And he, it was a really beautiful message that he sent him. So thank you, Charlie. You didn't need to do that. And it's much appreciated by my family and by the wee man himself. And yeah, that's, that's a, that was a class thing to do. Thank you. And that is my hour's end. Quite short for me. Thank you, Paul. I'm sorry um, about the family's loss there, but it sounds um, like Charlie gave him some comfort. So that's He did indeed, mate. It was much appreciated. Um, all that remains is prediction prediction only one game only one game and then they've got a break and we've got a break and there isn't a million football matches in this season and non-stop we have reading on saturday Mm. how do we think that's gonna go can i ask Flo a question or one of you lot robert or whatever who actually wore the because we can have this conversation reading fans will not be listening to this so it's cool who wore the hoops first, us or them, do you reckon? Because yeah. we call them fake hoops, but I think well, they might... Well, they also rarely have a full hoop, do they? don't they? Like, oh, I know in our recent designs, we have gone less full hoop on mm-hmm. the shirt because I was hoping they like, didn't when we had that, Nike no. and stuff. But oh, I'm yeah. pretty sure oh. Reading have had very few editions of their shirt, apart from, like, obviously back in the day where shirts were much more simplified when it has been all the way around they often do have like a white blob on the back so that's why i think that's why they're fake hoops yeah but it's yeah but i think who, that... it's not about who had them first it's it's who does them best and who ah, has that, david who, who respects it. the hoops because i i, I got involved in a big argument with a reading fan and he he said that we wouldn't since 1873 or something and i was like ah fuck he's got me because i know we were formed in 1886 and yeah, and we didn't wear them to the, after that. So I'm like, yeah, but now I've got, yeah, good one. I'm going to say that. We've always had the best hoops. And if you ever see a hoop shirt, you always think of QPR. You never think of Reading. You don't even think um, of something. I'll give my prediction. Did you do a prediction? Did Paul do a prediction? <laughs> I don't no, know. I so think, that's why I right. just thought I'd give mine if he's just going to go on about shirts for 10 minutes. No, I'm hurt. Say your score. Have you got to say the score? Yes, we'll win. Jesus. I we'll think win we'll win 2-1. Austin and the big Dutch man again. Stick your money on it and Reading will get a, an OG. It'll be one of them bad goals. Close. It's a difficult one because Reading are a bit inconsistent, had a few bad runs and then pick up a string of good results again. And we're sort of becoming one of those teams remarkably now. Um and they lost to Lee Bowyer's Birmingham City last night, mm. which was surprising. Um, so I think it's going to be a draw. I think it's going to be two all. We're not going to win. This will be the weekend that is finally, we can say, dreams of playoffs are, I'm afraid, gone because uh, Red, I think Reading lost. Yeah, they lost. They lost last night. Uh, uh, but they, they've been doing all right recently. So I'll go for 1-1. One, one. What's wrong with dreaming? Nothing's uh, wrong with dreaming at all. <laughs> I've done my whole last end on it, but I'm choosing for this score prediction to be, I'm going full Mark Warburton with the pragmatism. Rob? Uh, I, I would take a point. Uh, I can't predict us to lose. Do you know what? I'm going to be really pragmatic. I think it's going to be nil-nil. I think after the mentalness of last night, I'm going to dig in, throw it back, super semi, 
few saves, nil-nil. Thank you very much. Martin? Uh, we win 2 nil, and Dykes will score. Bloody hell, Martin! <laughs> think so? I don't know <laughs> what you're drinking, Martin, but I will have a glass of it myself. Very good. That's brilliant. Um, okay, everyone. I think that is the podcast done. Um, thank you all for coming on. Uh, it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't work with five, but I think it was pretty good tonight. So that's a good one. Uh, thank you all. This has been Open All Ours, the QPR podcast. Um, we will be back next week. Cheers. Bye. QPR. Why did I end that like a phone call? <laughs> You've been doing too many Zooms, big man. Why did I end cut that it. like a phone call? Never mind. It doesn't matter. No one's going to judge you, but I will. <laughs>